Hello everyone and welcome to the Giants Podcast. I'm your host Cameron Deacon and I'm back again with Mr. Tim Burton. Hello. Uh, Earl Crabtree has decided not to join us again. He's far too big for his boots, but I think we've got an adequate replacement for him today in our, in our guest. He is the Huddersfield Giants scholarship head coach and academy assistant coach. It's Steve Fox. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> we've got one to add to that, a reserves coach as well. And reserves Yeah, coach. well... I was. You was. I yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. So that's another. That's another story. Right. Okay. <laughs> but let's see. You joined uh, the Giants with early 2020, wasn't it? So that's correct. It, it was yeah. End of, end of 2019 to start at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. So it's been a, it's yeah. been a turbulent time since then. So I can't imagine it's been the easiest inter- integration into the club. Or has it been easier than it probably I can imagine? Um, I think things have settled down now. I think initially it was uh, it was quite quite stressful you know as you sort of like coming into a new club and you're wanting to impress and uh, just got started with the reserve grade um, and sort of like shadowing the first team with Simon Wolford and Luke Robinson and then obviously Covid struck as we all know um, which you know disrupted everything in life but certainly you know we were four or five games we were five games in doing really well from a reserve aspect and then obviously the reserve grade went and that was quite a testing time, not knowing what was going to happen to me, not only at this club, but what was going to happen to me as far as the role that I was going to undertake for the rest of that year or in future years. It must have been quite a scary time, obviously. You just make the leap and then... I mean, I, listen, it was a scary time for quite a lot of us, wasn't it? But but coming to a new role and then just that landing on you, you're thinking about your future, it must have been quite daunting, really, daunting period. It was, really. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't, you're thinking about your livelihood, you're thinking about, like everybody was, whether the job's safe, do you know what I mean? Well, there a million and one things going through your head. You just didn't have a clue how long it was going to be around for, whether it was just going to be a few months or whether it was going to be... A, which it's still around now do you know what I mean and we're still talking about it but um, yeah certainly from I'll be honest with you it was certainly some testing times and some worrying times from leaving a full time role and starting at a new job and uh, just not having that security or not knowing your security at the time yeah Talking about um, sort of you know jobs and roles and we like to get a bit into um, you know your role and, and your job here at the Giants but I think it's important that we Go back and, and sort of you know where it all started for Steve Fox. Who Steve Fox is? What can you tell us a bit about your background and uh, how you started in rugby and then coaching? Yeah, yeah, so, certainly. So obviously, like every like every young person, you know, junior rugby was was the way forward. You know, uh, school rugby, which was massive. You know, your PE teachers that were important to you. Um, and then really leaving school, it was really weird at the time. I was, I'd sort of like left school, we'd gone into the print trade. Um, and um, basically there was an American American lady there um, and her husband was an ex-NFL player with the Jets and, uh, and Eagles. <laughs> and um, just basically tried to convince me not to not to follow the rugby rule, but follow the uh, NFL rule. And uh, I went down to give it a go, with, along with some other people. Um, didn't have a clue about the game and, and it just blossomed from there really did the NFL pathway really for me um, obviously played within this country um, for three different clubs served, actually played international as in representing my country for Great Britain um, and then nearly turned uh, professional and it nearly had two um, college college situations where I nearly went to college to um, Westmire University and Graceland University and then uh, 
had some tryouts with uh, the London Broncos and got down. Sorry, not London. Sorry, London Broncos. London, <laughs> London Monarchs. Back into rugby. Um, yeah, London Monarchs, where uh, we were 200 and odd players selected, and we I got down to the last 25 when we selected 12 players to turn pro. Um, oh. So a bit of a weird one, really, from the NFL background. I mean, as daft as it sounds from a coaching background. Um, my young, my oldest son at the time um, wanted to have a go at rugby league. Um, a guy down there did a top session. He's, he's he's passed away now. Bless him. A guy called Rocky Whitehead at, at Oldham Raiders, uh, who I've got ultimate respect for, and certainly uh, I probably wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for him. And uh, I went down there and, and I'd started doing some coaching within the American football scene. He sort of like said, "Do you want to come back into rugby and and do some rugby coaching?" and uh, Sort of like give me a bag of balls and a bag of combs and uh, it went from there really. <laughs> so I ended up coaching a junior side and uh, took them all the way through uh, to under-16s along with some great coaches who I worked alongside who got a lot of time for. Um, a guy called Justin Murray at the time who was with us um, and we were under some guidance of some people like Andy Egg and Paul Daly who was around at the, around the scene at the time um, and took that side all the way through. Um, during that period, I then got picked up to um, coach at service area level within Leeds. Um, so I assisted the Leeds service area for a couple of years, then became head coach of a service area, and then assisted the um, uh, assisted the under 18 service area before getting the, the gig to assist Yorkshire, the regionals. So I then went on to Yorkshire. From there, I ended up coaching at Unsley Hawks. Got picked up by Unsley Hawks to coach their, their junior setup, their academy setup, um, under a guy called Phil Mead at the time who was there. And then, bizarrely, I was coaching the, the Yorkshire regions, and um, little did I know that Barry Mack were floating around at the time and showing a little bit of interest, which I didn't realise at the time, were keeping an eye on me as a coach. And then, Away from the print side, because I feel like I'm jumping gun a little bit here, from leaving printing, I actually went into the prison service and, and were a prison officer for, for, for like 18 years. Yeah. Um, and Barry actually come into the jail, all the way to, <laughs> into the jail to get me to come to Leeds Rhino. So, oh, he didn't go into jail. Uh, no, he didn't go, no, he didn't go in. He didn't go in, did Baz, no. So he, clarify that. He brought, he to be fair, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy a, a rook on the wing with Barry. Brian, sorry. No, so so yeah, so Barry Wade, Eddie Youth at the time, um, and basically come and ask me if I were interested in coaching at Leeds Rhinos um, within their scholarship system. So that's how it come really. So obviously, I spent ten years at Leeds um, doing the scholarship, dipping in and out of doing some little bits with their academy, as Rob Burrow and Johnny Waynehouse were in charge of their academy at the time. So I'd go in when I had some time off and things in that way to assist with the academy and, and sort of like shadow them as part of my development and then obviously the opportunity come um, here at Huddersfield for the reserve grade so hence why I'm uh, where I am now really but uh, you no know, I put a lot of a lot of thanks to some great people that I worked under and coached with because um, without them you know I genuinely wouldn't be wouldn't be there so I'm quite passionate about community rugby and developing young coaches and giving them the opportunities you know to become um, better coaches if that's what they want to be yeah. quite an unconventional route really quite encouraging that you know you don't have to have come from you know 
a great rugby league pedigree or you know a, a professional background to to be able to coach quite interesting that you what clubs did you play for for um, American football um, started with a side called Leeds Cobras uh, really young junior side that was uh, based in Leeds obviously over Hyde Parkway uh, but a lot of the lads actually played double code so a lot of our lads played for the Queens rugby league oh, side yeah. as yeah. well as uh, as well as for us at American football, so we're quite a, t- a tough group of players, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, some people were involved in the game, like Steve Martin, who's the uh, S&C with the uh, Unslit Hawks. Steve Martin played with us as well, and, and that type of people. Um, and then we went on to, I went on to the, the Cougars, well, we went on to the Cougars at the time, the game were quite big then in the late 80s, 90s. We were talking about... Uh, 90 players trying out for 50 positions which obviously is a massive size squad compared to rugby league but yeah um, so we had to have, have that um, trials and everything to get in there so it was Leeds Cougars and then my latter end uh, I signed for Leicester Panthers and uh, went down to Leicester Panthers for two years um, and that was my time during that I was with the Great Britain squad as well so and, and everything else yeah. quite a commitment to be mm. travelling up and down to Leicester every week and you know making that journey if you, you know if you're not getting paid or um, but quite interesting what what was playing for Great Britain like? really good to be honest a massive honour um, I think anybody who represents the country no matter what sport I don't care less you know it's, it's, it's a real big honour to be able to achieve that and be classed as that you are one of the best at your position do you know what I mean mm. Um so yeah fantastic it was a brilliant situation brilliant opportunity for me and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it and you know and I'm, I'm I'm quite proud of that fact to be honest with you yeah how much of that do you bring into rugby league because obviously you've been in that those sort of setups in the American football for a very long time does it yeah. are there training methods that are very similar between the two sports because it's coaching is quite a transferable thing okay. yeah and, and, and you hit the nail, nail on head when you say transferable um, obviously the games are totally different you know what I mean the tackle technique the rules everything you know is completely different everybody goes oh helmet and pads and, <laughs> and there's people probably say it's, it's a soft sport and they've, they've never experienced it and never played it so they can't to me they can't comment but um, a lot of skills are transferable within coaching and you, again, going back to you, Tim, when you said that, um, I always say it, and I might be, I might upset some people, but it doesn't always mean that if you're a great player, you become a great coach. Yeah. Uh, and I use um, Sean McVeigh a lot, who's the coach at the Rams, who only played high school uh, American football, never, never, never went to college, and he's probably one of the best um, coaches within the game. Do you know what I mean? So, from an NFL point of view, even. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of transferable skills you can use. There's some things that are brought within the, uh, into rugby league in some things on some certain types of movements and lateral movements and some skills that you can try and adapt and bring in. So yeah, certainly, you know, there's there's things there that you can twist and turn to make it to make it fit. Definitely. Another thing you mentioned is your sort of progression into where you are now in terms of rugby league. It, the levels that you've gone through how dramatically does that change from when you take a step up so like from where you started to where you are now how big a difference is the coaching because from what I imagine if the people at the very bottom if, yeah. you know what I mean will try to coach in a way that is professional Yeah. so I can't imagine it changes dramatically other than the facilities that you have almost um, I think it's like anything else you've got to if you want to do something you've got to put the work in you've got to put the effort in and, and it was something that uh, when it, whenever I do something, I do it 100% committed. You know, that is a, a big thing in me. Um, so from starting 
so-called, if you want to say, at the bottom within a junior community side um, and never playing pro, you know what I mean, from a rugby point of view. Obviously, you've got to you've got to divulge as much information as you can and, and look into it and, and, and search things, really. Do you know what I mean? Look deeper into it. But all the time, you're progressing and learning and, and working with some great people who could sort of like pass that on to you. And you'd sort of like... You'd have your own style anyway of coaching and you'd have your own character and your own ways and beliefs, but then you back, you get bits off of people, don't you? So you think, I like that. I like how they do that. I like how they deliver certain things. So you take that little bit in as part of your development and your your structure, do you know what I mean? Mm. Don't know if that answers quite what you were after. No, no, no. It, it makes sense, but in terms of... I guess it sort of mixes the two questions together. Like, you're clearly a very passionate person about sports in general. Do you are there sort of generalities that you would carry through everywhere, or is, does it have to change as it gets more professional? Is sort of what I mean. Yeah, I think well, you've you've got to be more professional in some some aspects, uh, but I think that's all part of life experiences and, and building as you go along. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but there's certain characteristics that you never change. Do you? If you're passionate about something and you're passionate about youth development and and helping people achieve their goals, then I don't think that changes, really. I think that's just built within, you know, if, mm. if you've got that or not, really. You talk about being passionate about youth development, and, you know, you, you've, you've been in youth development for a long, uh, a long time. How do you see the state of um, sort of the community game now? We were talking earlier about facilities and things. You know, what, what areas do you think we need to improve on at, at the minute? Um... Obviously, I think I think there's a massive emphasis that we some schools have not bought into the program within rugby league, and I think that it needs to be. Don't get me wrong, there's some schools who are massively into it. I, I've got some players who play for me who their schools are really passionate about what they do, and they enter a lot of cups and a lot of trophies and um, and a lot of different competitions. So they've actually bought into it. But there's also a lot of schools I don't think actually doing rugby league. Um, some of that is from, and no disrespect, some of that is from the PE teachers who don't have a, a rugby background, you yeah. know what I mean? They've, they've come from a football or a cricketing background and don't really understand to be able to deliver a programme. Some of it is, I don't know, whether the school sort of like doesn't want to run the risks of the injuries that could occur from it being a contact sport. Um, but we, I think we really need to try and buy in from the from a school aspect for that to be able to progress. Because mm. I think if the schools do it and they do it at such a young age, more young players, or whether that's boys or girls, will go and seek community clubs to be able to play that, whether it's rugby league or rugby union. Obviously, from our aspect, we want it to be rugby league, but <laughs> you know, um, it doesn't matter if we're getting young people involved in, in sport in that area. So, I do think that there needs to be a push from schools, and that might be uh, community trusts and foundations at different clubs being allowed into more schools to try and help deliver that programme. Um, obviously, you talked about your background in print and you know working in the prison service. Um, how have you found your transition into professional sport full time? Was it daunting at first, overwhelming, or you know did yeah, you'd been around the environment I yeah. suppose, before? So, what what was that like? The transition. To be honest with you, I, f I found it I found it quite easy. To be honest with you, I think probably because of from. Um, Unslip point of view and, and firstly going to Leeds, you're sort of like a volunteer and then obviously that ended up, everything progresses, doesn't it? And yeah. you end up with bigger responsibilities. So I then ended up with a part-time role at Leeds, which to be honest with you, even though it were like part-time 
on paper it was almost like a full-time role with the hours that I were actually doing do you yeah. know what I mean because I'd numerous yeah. aspects to it so the the adaption was great you know what I mean and, and I think that what made it easy was the people who work at the Giants there's some really good people we're probably a small team but work extremely hard and um, everybody's there to help and makes people's transitions really easy so I think um, it was quite easy with that part you know with more the fact of going back was the initially just getting going and getting excited and um, and just getting into the role of it and then as I said the dreaded uh, the dreaded Covid struck so I think yeah. that was the more of a concern than anything else yeah I suppose you know I say is it daunting I suppose you know moving from the prison service to working professional sport you know you've, you've already had kind of a difficult role I guess working in the prison service so it must have been quite a charm to to come here yeah it certainly made a difference I want having to uh, I want having to deal with violence every day and uh, <laughs> might be violence on the field but certainly want violence in uh, in the job like there was uh, within that yeah definitely and surprising about how many rugby league players as well were finishing the career and joining the job yeah you'd be surprised how many how many rugby league players actually become prison officers and things like that which yeah. is uh, yeah so we had some we had some we still have that sport banter within the within the service as well luckily. back onto transferable skills there I yeah. suppose <laughs> being good at the wrestle that's it it's like cause my, my dad was in the prison service and one of the things that he did there was because he did a lot of coaching outside of that and before that and he always spoke he worked a lot in the gyms there Yeah. so a lot a lot of what he learned in sort of <laughs> you know coaching afterwards was in how he helped prisoners you know in the gym and stuff like that so it's, it's like I said I think life skills is massive you know I think uh, um, it, it builds you as a character don't you? you learn as you go along and you become you, you know the, the, there's a lot of transferable skills like I say within within the systems it's like you can't just become a prison officer overnight you know what I mean and you think about your first day on the job and I think about 18 years later on in the job how I dealt with something 18 years later on compared to my first day there'll probably be no comparison do you know what I mean but certainly yeah on that actually how have, how have things changed for you specifically as a coach now that you've been doing it for a prolonged period of time not necessarily just here but throughout your whole career yeah. of doing it 1999 I started coaching believe it or not it seemed it seems like yesterday and, <laughs> uh, so yeah it was a, it's a long time um, yeah it's, it's changed it's changed massively over the years um, obviously because of the professionalism and, and what level you're actually coaching at do you know what I mean so um, yeah changed considerably and and obviously, from a, depending on what age group you're gonna you're gonna coach as well, because it's obviously I've got to change as a person. But one minute I'm coaching under 16 scholarships, so you know year 10, year 11, year 11 boys, and then all of a sudden you're then coaching an under 19 squad as it were. Well. Now it's under 18s this year, but you're then talking to 18, 19 year olds. So again, you've got to change and adapt in that way. And then take it back two years ago, I'd then got reserve grade, and I've got you know 22 23 year olds or sometime you know which we didn't have many actual older end drop into our reserve side and only the odd one we were quite a lot of the boys were quite young you know as in left academy but were probably the fringe players of the of the first team but all of a sudden yeah you, you're talking to them so you've got to be able to adapt as well in that way are you having to keep your eye on all the squads throughout the team while, while you're working because I can imagine and we've mentioned this before where the players are moving up and down between teams yeah. especially as they're getting closer to the first team or to the reserve level it's like do you have to keep an eye on who's getting injured where who's not playing well where who's playing very well at the lower levels yeah. you know I suppose you do you're, you're looking from an outset um, 
I don't have anything to, to do with the first team anymore. Yes, I go up there and show my face and things like that and work quite closely with Ian and, and Luke because I think it's really important that we're all on the same wavelength and I even know what they expect from me and what they expect from the players that are coming through the system. So there's obviously that connection there, but I don't exactly coach with the first team. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and then obviously Tom Sang's coming. I know you spoke to the other week. So Tom's now taking charge of the actual reserve grade in the 18s. Mm. So yes, I'm going to be assisting Tom on that programme. And it's, and then obviously I made him. I made him the 16. So you're right in what you're saying. From an outside, I'm looking in constantly, at watching players develop and progress, and seeing who's who's moving up the ladder or or dropping out of the ladder a little bit. But more importantly, it's more of a factor of that continuity. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. And I re- that's what I really like within the club is that I know what is expected of an academy player because I'm in I'm in both camps so I know how, I know what my 15s and 16s need to do to get to that level mm-hmm. and I know what's important for them to know by the time they step into that level and then from an academy point of view you know as I said Ian and Luke you know stressing to us that they, players need to be able to do X, Y and Z and things like that so we need to then make sure that their progressions is going in the right direction too so I think that's the bigger thing really in a, in a day and age where sort of the money in professional sport is growing and you could buy players or transfer players from all over the place where you know sort of whenever you want really how important increasingly or decreasingly is the, those reserve grade levels do you think I think it's massive in the development I think um, and this is my opinion this is not a Dusfield Giants opinion so um, from I think it's ludicrous that for the last few years we've been trying to make a decision on whether an under nineteen year old under nineteen year old is going to be a super league player or not. Players players develop at different times. You know, we can go really technical into it, into our younger generation about being whether you're a first quartile born or whether you're a fourth quartile born in your in your maturation. We can then look at little things like about how players develop at different rates. It takes a forward a lot longer to develop than it does an outside back and that's not me sounding disrespectful either way but you've probably got more chance of it of um of sort of like moving forward as an outside back a little bit quicker than you have it as a middle because of your, your physicality and and again your maturation and everything else and your development physically in that way um so i just think from my point of view moving um moving forward with players and their development we've got to look at the bigger picture so Making a decision, as I say, going back onto a, whether a player's going to play Super League at 18, 19 year old is ludicrous in my opinion. So I really feel like the reserve grade was the right step forward. And I think, you know, the bigger thing, and I've just had the conversation today with a couple of gents from the RFL in saying that what we don't want to do as a, as a sport is all of a sudden, which we're quite good at, is making a, a rash decision and going, oh, reserve grade's not working, we need to get we need to get shut of it, because it needs time to develop. It's going to take three to five years to become the finished polished, polished article that we want it to be. And I think if we're patient, and, we've, we, we, you know, and, I, and we, when I say patient, I mean give it time, give these players, allow them time to come through the systems, I do actually think that the reserve grade will be a very good comp, and I think that... You know, it will be a great stepping stone for players to learn their trade moving totally, forward. I totally agree with you. I mean, you, you you only have to look at the Australian system where they're playing twenty ones, aren't they? You know, not start. 
right up to 21s and then you know you look at football they've got under 23s teams as well like yeah, I yeah. say people and you could be missing missing these gems and, and, and I think sometimes when players come through an academy and you know they I suppose get let go or whatever the term is at, at 18 sometimes then I think they're lost to the amateur game as well because you know they, they don't might not want to go back into the amateur game uh, I, yeah, I, I think there's an element of that. Uh, I know that I know the professional game gets quite a bit of a slate in regarding uh, participation at an older level, um, but I do think things have changed in society. It doesn't help that. So, bang on, yes, you're right. There's that disillusioned player that under 18s, you're not going to make it. What do I do now? Yes, there's life out of Super League Championship. You know, I look at. You know, I went to watch a game the other week and I look at how many young players played in that Unslick Keefley Challenge Cup game. It was great to see how many young players yeah. were in their 19, 20 year old, 21, 22. You know, it was, it was really good to watch. Um, but also, I think the thing is, I remember, I remember from my community club, I said to the lads who were who on scholarship, if, if, if you end up where you can't make it to go to the next level, don't walk away from the game, come back to your community club, carry on learning your trade, these other ways of pathways through. You know, you look at some of the players in the professional game who's probably dropped down to championship and then still come through to Super League and, and couple, you know, played played for played for the country, represented the country. Mm. Um but also what we're gonna to get to was I think the reason why there's some participation dropouts now is I look back to myself, you know, as I said leaving school and becoming a prince and being in a different sport or what have you I got injured I got injured within my sport and say I couldn't get to work because I you know I can, I'm thinking of one time where I ripped all the ligaments in my ankle and you didn't get put in boots then you literally got potted up and, and things like that you know <laughs> and you were on crutches and I, I physically couldn't get to work and, and I remember phoning work and I'm saying um, that's not a problem you know take two or three weeks off eventually we'll, we'll work out a plan that you can come in and work in the offices and we'll find something for you to do but just for the time being it's about you getting right yeah. and I think now um, and I'm not having a go at the companies anything else but there's more pressure as in you, you're on the sick so we're mm -hmm. going to put you on sickness monitoring if that continues then we're going to we're going to get shut of you you know what I mean mm -hmm. and move you on yeah. and also I think a lot of young people as well at that age there's more opportunities for them through, through education as in um, as in universities mm. do you know what I mean I think that, I think to my lads both my lads are sporting and don't get me wrong they're both doing their own leisure activities away but they both went on to so my youngest who was in a scholarship at a club and then went back and played he got released at end of scholarship and went into a um, into a, back into his community club and played a little bit of first team all of a sudden then goes down the university pathway mm. and all of a sudden we lose him to the game because that university maybe doesn't play rugby league yeah. or what have you so the unit that he's in and, and the pressures of studying and what he needs to do to achieve his degree and, and everything else so I do think the world's changing as well and I'm not trying to defend the professional game totally but I know it does take some hardship out there in, in you know outside and people point the finger and say the professional game's ruining these young people and they're walking away from the game because they're signing them up too young and then releasing them. And I think there's a lot more bigger factors built into it, as, in, as I say, with work, earning money, you know, the pressures and everything else in that way. I think that's, I think that's sort of participation in sport generally, I think, from, you know, across the board. There's a lot more distractions, I think, you know, perhaps a lot more 
things to do than 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 they used to be. You know, I mean, I mean, look at the the number of amateur clubs, you know, in the area, and also you know, football, cricket as well. I'm, I'm not sure there's as much participation mm. as there was, you know, 30, 40 years ago, is there? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe it was probably the youth's got a lot more distractions compared to what we had. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it was just it was just the norm to me. I remember yeah. whatever season it was when when I think about being a kid at school, I, I rushed home, got my homework done as quick as I could, and and if it was summer and it was cricket season, you went out and played cricket, or yeah. if it were if it were winter, you'd have a rugby ball, or you'd have a football. It was yeah. just it was just that kind of that kind of environment, then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's that other big thing. You, you your social life was spent outside. Where now, you know, they're probably spent inside on social media and, and the games, what's the consoles or whatever else they're on, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I want to sort of delve a bit deeper into your uh, role here. I've, I've not seen much of what you do, but the little bits that I have seen, I've been really impressed with the way that you're interacting with you know, your players and, and how professional that you want things to be around the setup. Can you give us an overview of your role and your, your, you know, your philosophy in general, and you know what what your hopes are for for the scholarship? Um, right. Oh, big question. Big question. Big, big question. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, for me, as I've said, and I've already covered, passionate about working with young people. Really enjoy working with young people um, to make their lives better or let them achieve what they possibly can. So that's the that's the first thing. Within the club, obviously, because of that passion, I think that's where it spills over, and that's probably why Andy, uh, Andy Kelly, were like keen for me to, you know, drop into that scholarship role and, and lead that scholarship role. My next step then was to make that scholarship as professional as possible, and that's nothing against the people who were there previous to me. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm having a dig at them because I aren't. Do you know what I mean? I brought in my own my own thoughts and how the game should go and how, how, how you should develop a programme and then obviously the things that I'd learned uh, over the years in, in my past and everything else. Um, tried to make it as, as professional as possible as in when I say that is obviously we, we still can only we still only get them twice a week we've got other things outside of life I'm, I'm well aware that they've got twice with the community clubs they play with the community clubs they've also got you know they probably play for school, they need to have some kind of social life as well, but certainly the two sessions that they are with us, we make sure that that is as crammed for educational-wise, but also professional at the same time, and it's not just about rugby league, it's about, you know, we've had nutrition education, we have a psychologist that works alongside of them, looking at their resilience and balancing schoolwork and life and things like that, so I've brought all them into into the programme as well, do you know what I mean? To make it a lot more a lot more professional. And we just had rugby league cares in the other week and they did the um, the well being sessions. So I'm just trying to make it as I say, as near to them as they, they can experience a professional programme full stop. Um the next thing is is realising that as much as you want to win games um, it's more about the players' development. What my job is is to get as many players I, as I possibly can do to an academy standard, um, and therefore how I've worked the block system, as in you know what I deliver in the first part of the, of the pre-season and move on to the second and third and fourth. So I have a four-block tier system, which I find is really important. And I've been trying to get uh, young coaches, and I invite them now um, while we're on here. Any any 
coaches were involved in our ambassador were part of our ambassador clubs are quite welcome to contact me and come down to our sessions and I can show you why we do certain things in certain ways um, so sorry if you need an email address for that it's inquiries at giantsrl.com I can, <laughs> I can forward it on the right way just, just to make sure that you know if we're giving information out there is a contact so that's good <laughs> So yeah, so that's that'll be a big thing for me, and um, and getting players to be able to buy into that concept, and then keeping contact with the play with the players' parents. I'm massive about speaking to them and letting them understand what I'm trying to do, the reasons behind my thought processes, and and the, and so they're up to date and everything else. And I think that you know, hopefully, I think I've achieved that. I think in the in the in the second year as I am now, as at scholarship point of view, I think that we're we've got a real good programme and I think it's going to get advanced and I think it's going to become better and as good as anybody else's within the country um, moving on to our new facilities I think that's the only thing that you know that will I'm going to say would stop us but it won't stop us because we are going to get there um, so just real exciting times I think to be part of this club do you know what I mean yeah. and then we've got a coach who wants to promote from within yeah. and I think um, having kids in in our scholarship system, moving forward to our, our academy, and we've had a lot. What have gone through? You know, we can talk about our stalwarts in, in Leroy and Michael Lawrence, and we can talk about the lads who were just pushing through now, like your Kieran Rushes, your Fenton Rogers. You know what I mean? Your Aidan McGowan's. So we've got them at both aspects of, at the top end of the career and just coming through in, in the new parts. But I think the buying to our ways, we understand our cultures, we understand our values uh, within the club, and I think that with Ian driving that thing of I'm happy to promote from within and you know he's just like two young academy boys playing the, the OKR game and Ethan Wainwright and Jaden Days mm. I just think it's a, a fantastic and exciting club to be to be part of right now do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I was going to make the point actually if there's any club I mean obviously we don't know specifically about the others in the Super League but if there's any club that's benefited from its sort of youth academies in recent years it's been ours you know I was speaking the other day about how I think the last few years where we've had these massive amounts of injury problems and we've had reserve players coming through and we've had to push these younger players into the squad yeah. has actually put us in a position now where we've got a, a first team that is incredibly deep in its skill and talent because it's there's so many players there and I saw people mentioning that when the squad was announced yesterday you know we've got so so many players of a first team level who have come through from our from our reserves and yeah. from their academy that it's it's actually helped push the, the level of overall up just because of that. There's the, yeah, there's names all over. If you actually look look through a squad, there's plenty of names that come through a system. Even if I go back to the reserve grade, you know, when I first when it, the first five games that we had, you know, I can straight away go. But Ollie Wilson played for us. Ollie Russell played for us. Do you know mm. what I mean? The senior twins played for us. John Luke and Sam Sam Hewitt were first team members. Okay, both have got injuries at the moment, but. Both would have probably been pushing for them spots for both excellent young men. Do you know what I mean? So you've got people like that, and I and I, and I apologise to if I've missed somebody out, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you know you could go on forever naming people, but yeah. it just goes to show you what we actually what what we actually had and what we were building on. Do you know what I mean? I remember them five games, other than Adam Walner were coming back from an injury, in them five games, I think the oldest player was actually twenty three year old. 
you know what I mean, in them reserve grades, yeah. uh, which were fantastic, but were actually playing them mm. young players. And I remember, like, at the time, speaking to Kim and going, which which one of the academy players do you think are ready to go to that next level? And it was like Robson Stevens worked with us, you know what I mean? So we'd Robson yeah. dipping in and out of the squad, you know, Aidan were pushing, you know, in there with Aidan McGowan. And, and it just goes to show you now that them players are, are coming through, you know, and it shows yeah. that the... the before my time, and hopefully, you know, I can take it to another level with, with a scholarship pushing forward to academy. But it just goes to show you that the youth programme's been really good under the head of youth for Andy Kelly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the people that's worked under him. But as I say, you know, it, it is exciting. It is exciting. I think Ian's excited at, at what academy and uh, and scholarship players we have got coming through the system. For our listeners uh, out there that you know that that don't know. Um, the system. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of how you know how many players you have, how many games do you play a year? Because yeah. I, I will encourage anybody um, to go and watch uh, you know our scholarship mm-hmm. and, and academy, you know, and our reserves because you know that the level of rugby is just so entertaining. So what's what's the actual setup and yeah. how many games are they playing? Well, everything changes every year. Yeah. That's the thing I just said <laughs> yeah. to you about. That things change every year. Yeah. So from from a scholarship point of view, I can answer the academy and reserves as well. So from a scholarship point of view, uh, you are, you're only allowed 20 year 10 or under 15s and 20 under 16s, uh, which is year 11, obviously. That's the maximum you're, you're allowed to sign. So you've got... you've got. Sorry, just before, what, what's the reason for that number? Why mm. why is it... I don't exactly know why they've come up with that number or yeah. why they've picked that particular number. I think it's to... So there's enough talent in the pool to to spread out throughout yeah. the all, all the clubs with yeah. with obviously the fact of how many how many clubs there is in the Yorkshire region um, region and the and the Lancashire region. But sometimes that I do think it's really tough is some of the restrictions because I, I do I go out and watch games so that's another thing that I'm massive on. You know, I, I, I go out and I watch my young players play. I think that's important. I don't think a lot of scholarship uh, coaches do that yeah. but I think it's important that you go support them yeah. and you get to know their community clubs as well mm-hmm. um, I think that's about building relationships and building links in, in a positive way so I will go watch my, my players play I see players that are not on the system that should be in the system and that's why I don't want young kids to think it's all over I ain't got selected at, at scholarship it means I'm not going to make it that's rubbish I've just talked about players mature at different different stages of their life so massive to all them if any kids are listening but are not on a scholarship program don't give up because it doesn't mean to say the dream's not over but that's the number that they, they've capped it as do you know what I mean yeah. so we literally have 20 of each so we literally once we've met our selections so every every club's allowed to pick players as many as they want do you know what I mean and then obviously uh, it might be a case of that if it was your son, Huddersfield, uh, Leeds, Bradford, Castleford, whatever you misreaching may have put in for your son, I and mean, then you have that choice of where your son wants to go to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So then yeah. they come into our, uh, whatever environment it is. So they then train from, and every club's going to be slightly different, but we started uh, at the end of October this year. We give the players a proper break because we're well, we've just been talking about, they seem to play 52 weeks a year now. So. From us finishing at the end of July, we actually give them off until until the end of October. I felt it was really important that they had a break as such. Mm. So then we come in at the end of October and we train right through until towards the back end of March. Our first game is the 23rd of March. We're away at Newcastle. Um, 
so that's our that's our first game so then basically you only have eight games this year so there's only eight, eight matches which personally I don't think is is enough but uh, that's a different different concept how, how, long's, how long's that spread out between so our first game is 23rd of March and the last game um, oh, you can pull me on there it's about <laughs> the middle of July I can't remember the official the official date our last game's uh, away at KR against all KR it's so, so. a fairly big gap between games then yeah because they you play every flavour fortnight but what they do is and I understand this I think it's important they give them uh, they have a gap over the exam period for the year 11s because ah. obviously they're sitting with GCSE so they don't play during that exam period and I think um, I do get that I think that's quite important to allow them place to concentrate on their education because obviously education is, is really important for them do you know what I mean mm -hmm. so so that's the that's the reason that's okay. the on, hopefully answered your question as far as the yeah. training and the uh, and the games go mm -hmm. the academy and reserves is a little bit different this year so uh, obviously we've just had the, the situation where we've gone from under 19s back to under 18s uh, so it's under 18s in reserves this year um, our first reserve game is, is next week as definitely sounds so it's next Friday against Salford we're at home um, but what they're actually doing roughly it doesn't quite work like this because there's a couple of weeks where we've, they've got continuous weeks but it's mainly one week on one week off so reserves one week academy next reserves academy reserves academy so it's alternative that way um, and it's that's been changed slightly in the amount of games that they're playing too they're not, you're not playing everybody at home and away which is what we used to do in the academy system prior to that do you yeah. know what I mean but yeah. as I say things change every year they're always tweaking things so yeah. and then there's obviously a playoff system so there's going to be a semi-finals and a grand final at both competitions um, and there's a different format on how you actually you know first place fourth second place third that's your semi-finals and then the winners go through to the grand final so that's what's going to be and that also I think uh, in both concepts we're going to do like a third place playoff so the teams that lose the semi-finals will have a, a third place to play off for How would you want it to go then because in terms of like you said you don't think there's enough games at the at some levels or you, you, you agree with the gaps in certain areas how would you like to see it run for, from a, like a playing point of view I think they are, if, if you imagine um, if everybody, if you had if you had your sons within a scholarship system, you want them to play, don't you? Yeah. And and one thing I won't do, and uh, and I know other clubs do it, they just play their top end kids. Uh, and I'm massive. If you look at my size last year, the 15s played in 16s games. So last year again, it was slightly different concept, I know, but all my 15s played, and they didn't just play ones. They played a couple of games. Do you know what I mean? We're only yeah. allowed to play in three as it was the 15s last year. Do you know right. what I mean? So you could, couldn't have played in many more than that. But you're trying to get 40 players into 18 jerseys every week, or 20 <laughs> jerseys if you agree with the other club that you can play 20. Yeah. So it's you can't play every single player. Yeah. Now when I can remember back to the scholarship days where you used to have 15s games and 16s games. So I think that that was a real good concept because it, give, it you pretty much every player were playing nearly every single week mm. do you, or in every single game. Do you know what I mean? Well, it wasn't I'm just set about. You, 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 you learn to play rugby by playing rugby, yeah. don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And challenging them elite players to play against other elite players is only good for their development. Yeah. You know, for te take everything else out of the equation, it is good for their development. Do you know yeah. what I mean? 
The other thing, if we're not going to go back to that concept, and, and I don't think we will because of maybe cost, resources, and, and a million other things, um, the other way, I, I do not understand why we can't have, say there's 12 teams run scholarship systems, why can't we have 11 games? I'm not saying we have a full 24 games because that would impact on the community clubs and we can't do that. We've got to keep them community clubs supported. But I think we could have 11 games yeah. and let's say that, I don't know, let's say Huddersfield play Bradford home this year. Well, all you've got to do, it's dead simple, next year reverse the fixtures so next year we'd be away at Bradford. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at least play every team once and yeah. give us 11 games which would allow us... Um, to play everybody in the squad a little bit more and get some more minutes from what they actually are doing. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But mm -hmm. it being so tight. I mean, obviously, it's better this year than last year because obviously we've got eight games this year. Last year, we'd four games as 17-16s and four games as 16-15s. <laughs> so, it, and, and then we ended up with two games cancelled, uh, not on, not from us, but the teams, there's oppositions that were playing had COVID issues, so we got two games cancelled, so I had literally six games. And then you then again, we're back to that thing again. You're making a decision on players. Based um, on nothing. Yeah. Based on, well, you could say based on six games. The bigger picture yeah. for me is I've actually gone out and watched them play with the community clubs. Yeah. And that's why, again, it's, it's an important thing for me to actually put my name forward and say, this player is good enough to move forward. Yeah. And then me sit with a player and parent and tell him the reasons for or against. Yeah. How can you do that in just six games? You, can. you know what I mean? So no, you've got yeah. to take everything into the into the equation, the bigger picture, how the train, how the player for the scholarship, how the player for the community club, look at the maturation, do they need longer time to develop in the system? Do you know what I mean? Um there's a lot of things that you've got to take into consideration and, and it's getting that balance right, you know, definitely. Yeah. Well one of the things that you mentioned a lot is the, the community clubs. It's like how closely do you work alongside them? That's the something clubs? I was yeah. gonna ask. Yeah. Something that interests me and I know will be something that will interest you know a lot of young players out there and a lot of young players families is how, how do you actually go about recruiting the players that that you want if, if, is there a network of scouts or yeah. you know what how does so that actually let, work i'll go back i'll just go back to prior, prior before i've actually mentioned about my community club so yeah. again because i've come through a community system i understand i sort of like understand how important them community clubs are and, yeah. and how important them coaches are that volunteer their time yeah. to give them to, to let them play the game you know I think it's massive they deserve a massive rap to these community clubs do you totally know what I mean um, you know hours in the in the wet and mud and probably <laughs> yeah. in facilities that they're probably knee high mud and, and yeah. not the best spotlights or floodlights and stuff so you know, massive, massive respect to it, and I genuinely mean that. And that's why I wanted to put something back into the community, as in the fact that I want their coaches to be able to come and see me. Okay, I want their coaches to feel comfortable coming in and watching our environment, asking questions. It's really good then that I can pass on how our systems work so they can feed that onto parents. Because some there's, there's, there's rumours go around that are untrue about certain certain aspects of our game and yeah. and the professional side of the things. Then going on to your, how we select players. Um, so we have a group of scouts. Um, Ed Scout is a guy called Sean Foley. He's been with a club uh, probably as long as the brickwork has. Do you know what I mean, Sean? Absolute great guy. Um, spends a lot of hours um, of his time, but he could be with his family, 
going out, watching watching players play, watching clubs. Other things that he does for Huddersfield Giants is phenomenal. Do you know what I mean as well? Like he helps on all our scholarship days, our academy days and reserve grades. So yeah, he's he's in charge of a, of a group of scouts that go out and, and, and talent ID for him. And then obviously... You know, Sean builds that database up of the comments that the scouts have seen and the players that have seen within our system. And then, obviously, prior to that, Sean basically had the say, along with Andy Kelly, of these are the kids that we're going to select. Mm. Um, I'm building that relationship with Sean now in the fact of Sean's coming back to me and speaking to me and going, you know, we really like these players. Do you want to go have a look at them? And, you know, don't get me wrong, I trust Sean implicitly. You know, because I can't be, I can't be everywhere. Um, yeah. But certainly, I, that's some of the reasons why I get out then and, and I go watch them players, go watch them players play. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? As such, because you, 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 quite rightly, you know, you said there's there's a lot of rumours out there about you know. Oh, I, I've had emails myself about people saying, oh, you know, can you send somebody up to watch us because we don't get anybody up here and, yeah. and things like that. You know, there is sometimes they don't even say. know that you're there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like. Um, it's probably I know, better that way though, isn't it, surely? You what? It's probably better that way sometimes. Some, yeah, sometimes because obviously there's, you know, some of the kids see you and you can see the pressure that they put on themselves and, and whether parents, I'm not saying all parents do this, but some parents obviously <laughs> then probably put that pressure they don't realise, they do it, you know, accidentally by saying, oh, you know, so-and-so's here to see you today, there's so-and-so clubs here and, yeah. and, and that. And then, you know, some of the... Um, some of the some of the gear or some of the clothing that the uh, some of the scouts have now with that bright and fluorescent that it stands out <laughs> and, and that's probably why they realise them clubs have been there a lot of the times like myself now yes I might have a word with a coach to um, to get a copy of a team sheet so I know the, the players names and and what have you but a lot of the time I just I just turn up and stand at the back of a stick somewhere and mind my own business and watch the game and then leave the game as such, do you know what I mean, yeah. in that way. So yeah. they probably don't realise how, how many times you've actually been at the games and how many times you've seen them. Um, definitely, you'd be surprised how many games we eat. I reckon we eat approximately, um, Sean would be the better one on this, but I reckon we pretty much eat, eat a minimum of six games on a Saturday, six games on a Sunday between us all, do you wow. know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You know, so, so and sometimes we'll double games up. So I know, like me, this week, this weekend just gone, I went to watch a, a young junior side play, and then I went over and watched uh, some of my scholars play in the national cup. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I ate two games myself this weekend. You know, yeah. so. what, what's the process from there then? If if you go to a game in one of these community clubs and you spy someone you've seen for maybe a few games through, how would you yeah. approach it? Do you approach the parents? Do you approach the players? Do you approach the club? You've got um, basically there's a, there's a couple there's a couple of things. Um, firstly, from um, you're not going to make a decision on on one appearance. You know what I mean. You're going to have numerous appearances, and I think it sometimes helps for numerous people to see that player because then it's not just your opinion. It's it's coming back from two or three different pe people, as such. Then it all depends with the RFL ruling on what dates they're allowing you to approach uh, players and speak to players and parents. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to wait for them official dates. Do you know what I mean? You're not supposed to be doing things prior to that, as, as such. But then eventually, obviously, you know, you, you're probably going to liaise and, and let that player or parent know that you are interested in in their son, you know. And then, they, then they, you follow them the official way, which is you actually put your application into the RFL. Um, and then the RFL will collate all the information, like I said, and then they will forward that information out to the actual 
uh, players' parents on which clubs have shown interest in in signing in signing their son as it is at that time, and then the deci- the decision goes down to them eventually. They'll contact the club which they want them to go to. How competitive is it? You know, you said sometimes you, you turn up and you just stood behind the sticks. It, do you sometimes turn up there and there's like eleven other clubs stood there as well? And oh, regularly. Fisticuffs yeah. break out and. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I won't say the spall outs and, and fisticuffs, but yeah, certainly, you know, um, there's not many games you're going to go to where there isn't somebody there. Yeah. Um, and especially with us, you know, with the sport, you want to, I know a lot of people call it the so called M62 corridor and yeah. things like that. As well. You know, you've got a lot of clubs within the region that that are going to be there within uh, within the games you know and and it's not just the Yorkshire clubs now it's a couple of the Lancashire clubs are coming over to the Yorkshire region and, and, and that's another the thing games. I was going to say I mean how, how far is the net I mean you, you would you know would you take somebody let's say from Witness on a scholarship we Right, we, we don't. Right, I'm saying we don't. And don't forget, I've only been I've only been in in with us for <laughs> yeah. the last two years, so, so we don't. So the furthest the furthest the field on the scholarship system that we had is we last year we had three players from the all side. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we had three players from all side. Two of them have moved on to our academy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but normally, I would say we stay within the the West Yorkshire boundaries. We don't. We might push a little bit out to uh, the old and Rochdale type area. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So because obviously that's not too far away from us. Mm. Um, but we don't really go further than that because it's a lot to ask on a player and yeah. a parent to travel. For me, this is just my opinion. It's a lot to ask for a player and parent to travel from. Um, let's just say. Leeds all the way to Wigan or Leeds all the way or Warrington all the way to Leeds whichever way you want to say um, as such it's a long it's a long distance for a player to travel with a parent probably going to have to finish school and leave school and travel straight over there to get to the scholarship training then they've got to come back God knows what time they're getting back at, at night in year 11 they've got all the GCSEs they've got all the studying and everything else so for me I, I just think it, I just think it's I mean a million or go against me, but um, I just think it's too much to ask. So that's probably why us as a club looking in more in the local region. So you know that West Yorkshire region that we'll try and focus on to get our players from. And I know, speaking of Macaw this year of, of year tens uh, or you know under fifteens, whichever you want to call, it, I know that they are all all local players. You know what I mean within the West Yorkshire. And I think that's quite important as well. You know, you want to be recruiting from your area, yeah, don't yeah. you? You know, you yeah. want you want to be bringing players through from your area, and you know, saying to the kids in that area, you know, look at Leroy, look at Michael Lawrence, you know, and you can do this. this yes, is, you know, you can be this person. Definitely, and that's why you know we, we there's a, a big focus, or there will be a big focus in that in in, in that Huddersfield and, and Halifax region for us. Do you know what mm. I mean? But yeah, I'm not saying yeah. that we. I'm not saying I don't look in the Leeds area or the Wakefield area or Castleford area. I do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I certainly, certainly would. But yes, that's why again I want. I'm, I'm encouraging the the local clubs to get in contact with me and uh, and we can sit down and talk about things and how we can try and help and aid them a little bit better and and build that build that link a lot more. Do you know what I mean? So, so in terms of you know talking about the, the community clubs and the local clubs and how, how you want them on board, just you know hopefully there's going to be a few people out there listening you, you know what 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 are you wanting from the the community clubs what you know what 
what sort of I don't input. I don't I don't want any I don't want anything from them in that way do you yeah. know what I mean I'm not yeah. expecting anything from them um, all I can ask is you know I've, I've sent text messages out to, to age groups and uh, and chairmans and stuff there's some emails gone out there's the ambassador through our community trust who's they've just spoke to all our ambassador clubs all I'm asking for them if they want some help and want some advice and want to have a chat by all means contact me via email or they can uh, contact go through our community trust link to us um, and just come in and bring some questions if they've got some questions or some rumours that are going around maybe I can put them to bed maybe I can sort them maybe I can make things a little bit clearer on how our systems work and, and everything else and, and they can see what we actually do and I know as I say, as well as our ambassador clubs, I know I said it to all our the lads that we'd actually signed this year. I I invited all their coaches as well, the lads that had signed, so they knew what I was expecting of their players, it, it, you know. And uh, and at the same time, I want to show my support for them that I am I am willing to support them. So if they've got a club game, like for instance, I've got three players missing tomorrow. They've got a club game tomorrow. I'm not saying that they've got to be at scholarship. I'm supporting that community club and saying, no, you go play with your with your community club. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, just I just think building links, building that communication uh, is is a big step for me this year that I want to say and do out there. It's something something you you said to me, you know, before the podcast was it? You know, you are open to community clubs coming and seeing what we do. You know, seeing yeah, there's no secrets. Yeah, I've, I've no secrets. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. nothing to be. There's nothing secretive here. We're all trying to. At the end of the day, we're trying to advance the game of rugby league. We're trying to make our junior participation better and stronger, which can only make our professional game better or semi-professional game better even. Mm. And then hopefully that spills off into our international game, and we could become strong in our international game. You know what I mean? And that's what that to me is what it's about. It's about you know giving them players the best opportunity they can and the whatever support and aid we can and help to achieve their to, to achieve their potential. I've, I think it's really important for sort of community coaches, you know, club coaches to understand that you, you, sometimes there's, there's sort of glamour, isn't there, around, uh, you know, sort of coaches from the elite level. Coaching kids or young people, whatever you want to call them, it's completely different to coaching at, at the elite level uh, and, you know, the the elite adult level, I suppose. So I think coaches have got a lot more to learn from, you know, people like yourself, you know, than, than perhaps people, you know, that are that coaching, you know, at, at, at an elite adult level. Yeah, it's like I said, it's that, it's your coaching styles, it's how you coach, you've got to pitch at different levels depending on what age group, you know, you're actually doing and... and um, I've learned from some mistakes as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As, as we all, as we all do. You know, um, I've I've coached. I, like I said, I coached two community sides all the way through. And when I looked at my first side, and I thought I did a fantastic job, and and uh, and I, you know, I'm quite confident to say that we did do a good job. Do you know what I mean? Well, a lot of players had the opportunity to progress to an higher level, and there's <laughs> players playing Super League and Championship out of that side. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, which is fantastic. But reverting back, when I went to the do it again with another with another community side coming through, but a lot of things I changed about the way I did things. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and that's that thing about it's life skills, isn't it? Again, yeah, it's about it learning your process and learning what works and what doesn't work. And and same with the scholarship program. So we've run we're in a second year with the with scholarship. Don't get me wrong, there's things this year because of 
we're allowed to do a lot more with them this year than what we did last year. We were stop-start a couple of times because of COVID, so we got shut down a couple of times. Did the game where we weren't quite so sure of the scholarship programme were going to go ahead that season. So obviously we've had a bit more freedom and a bit more scope and a bit more time with the players to be able to do a lot more with them. But I've already changed some things this year. What I think is, is, has made the, the programme better, along with my assistant coaches who you know who I'm, I'm really lucky and blessed to have three outstanding assistant coaches within our system do you know what I mean um, and we had that debrief at the end of last year and we sort of like said we we do this this is that it's going to make our program better and it's done that and hopefully I'll continue to evolve the program and make it better and stronger every single year um, with the aim and goal to achieve more players pushing through our system it's quite upsetting learning that there was probably a scout at every single game that I ever played because it means I never got scouted. I think we, we should probably move on to speak about the actual Super League itself because it is back now. It, the first game's been played. Giants play tomorrow. Um, how much are you looking forward to being involved in the club to the, the season restarting again? I know you weren't directly involved yeah. in it, but it. it obviously trickles down eventually yeah it's, it's exciting it's, it's really exciting I mean you know um, I enjoyed um, I even enjoyed last night's game um, yeah, so it was yeah. good to, it was good to get the season back up you know we're, I think everybody's excited all the supporters are excited some so, excitement in that game as well wasn't there a red card in the first game yeah, you know yeah, yeah won't go too Bring much into that I'll probably, get, I'll probably get lynched on that one but yeah um, but certainly from our point of view I think it's a, I think it's a real exciting time I think you know I think Ian's brought in some great personnel to make our squad stronger um, definitely made, made our, our squad e even stronger and I think the, the blend of uh, experience and youth that he's got this year is really really exciting and uh, I'm pretty confident that he'll, him and along with Luke Robinson and our, the rest of the support staff who were involved in that side will, will, will have a good season. I do think we'll have a really good year. What are your predictions for Toulouse? We ask, we always ask this on the podcast. What's your <laughs> prediction for the next game? Um, obviously, I'm going to say Giants win. I'm confident that we'll get the W. Yeah. Um, I don't think it'll be as easy as what some people think going out there. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think Toulouse will go into it with... Uh, nothing to lose and everything to gain do you know what I mean and uh, usually the team that comes up usually the first few games is usually it's quite tough it's yeah. quite a difficult challenge because mm. we don't really know what, what we're going to throw at us do you know yeah. what I mean so I think you can always get caught caught blindsided a little bit but no I'm, I'm pretty confident that um, we'll get a job done tomorrow and we'll, we'll come back with that W I think something that Ian mentioned um, to us this week was quite poignant to me is that Toulouse have got a winning mentality in that they are used to winning games through the championship yeah, so they're not, that's not going to suddenly change now that they're a Super League side so especially in these first few matches they're going to be a, a tough team to beat yeah definitely and it's not an easy I know they have to do it every other week they have to travel over to to England you know what I mean but it, it's not an easy it's not an easy place to go to it's, yeah. uh, it's across there to France to Catalan or, or Toulouse you know it's, um, you've got to get your preparation right you've got to get the travel right everything else and then and obviously you've got to get your performance and your timing right with everything so there'll be some teams that will go over there um, and um, 
you know, get beaten by them sides. I think it's quite, it must be quite mentally challenging, I think, for players. I mean, you know, I've, I've been to Catalans on numerous occasions with, you know, with the club and I've, I've you know, been in the hotels, you know, where, where the, the squad are, are staying. And, and it, it's a totally different situation to how you would usually approach a normal game because, you know, the night before the game, you'd be at home with your family. Yeah. Um, you know, if it if it you know is an away game, you know you're just going on the coach, it, and it's a totally different situation where for three or four days, you know you, you're out of your own environment and you put into a, a totally different, you know, environment culturally yeah. as well. It must be yeah, quite yeah. mentally challenging, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, I assume we want to we want to push our first home game as well. Do we ever, Cameron? <laughs> Don't forget, on. folks. Nineteenth uh, of February, Saturday afternoon, we're back here at the John Smith Stadium for the first time in 2022. We've got a fabulous game here. We've got lots going on. We've got a food festival. We've got uh, DJs, entertainment singers, the fabulous Jordan Higar of X. Factor Stardom playing outside, uh, stuff for the kids, stuff for all the family. Um, don't forget, get your examiner on Wednesday. There's a £5 free voucher from the Delivery Food Festival. You can exchange that for beer or food, whichever one you want to do. Um, but beer. yeah, <laughs> beer. Um, but yeah, make sure you get down here on the 19th of February. For you season ticket holders out there, don't forget you've got your vouchers that we gave you for Christmas. Bring some friends. Bring your family, bring people you don't even like if you have to. Just let's get a massive crowd down here for the 19th. I think that basically sums it up pretty well, doesn't it? I, um, I'd say so. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I've, I've learned a lot, actually. I've learned a lot. It's been really interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I think, you know, the podcast is really important for us to you know, sort of get the message out there to the fans that it's not about just those 17 players that are on that field during the game. There's a lot more goes on in, in the, in, you know, in the club and in the community. So cheers, Steve. It's been really interesting. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very Thank much. You. And we will be back again in about two weeks' time with someone else as interesting or maybe not as interesting. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see you then. <laughs> Thank you very much.